I finally come in off the ledge. Our buddy Aaron stops by to talk Buckeye football, and Davis still can't grow hair on more than one-third of his head. All that and more next on Dotting the Eye with Davis and Chad. What's up, Buckeye Nation? Welcome to Dotting the Eye with Davis and Chad. We are on episode 25 now, so we are rolling along, and today is a really good day in podcast land for us. A lot of good stuff going on. We're celebrating a Buckeye victory, a big Buckeye victory, as a matter of fact, last weekend, and we also have a new guest on the show. What do you say, Davis? Yeah, um, these last two weeks, it's it's been a lot more of what we've been used to seeing, and I know we'll get into more detail, but overall, you know, it we've got kind of a different mindset going into these next uh, few episodes that hopefully we can get you out of your feels and get you feeling a little bit more happy. Well, I'll tell you, I think you're in for a surprise today because I may have slightly changed my tune. Ooh. Yeah, a little spoiler alert, but uh, I don't want to leave our guests waiting. So our guest today is Aaron Brown from the OHO, OHIO podcast. And I've known Aaron for a lot of years. Uh, We played football briefly together many years ago. He's extremely knowledgeable about the game, a great commentator, and we're really happy to have him on the show. Welcome, Aaron. Hey, guys. Appreciate you having me on here. I'm excited to talk about any and everything. Well, that's what we do here. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Aaron, by the way. Yeah, we talk literally, if you've listened to the last few episodes, we literally talk about everything. Sounds like a plan, man. I'm pumped. Sweet. Well, let's just get right into it because I think – on everybody's mind has to be how much of a difference that this team looked like. They just looked like a completely different team last week. I mean, they came out, man, and it was it was like they let all the cannons loose. CJ was on his game. Uh, you know, every facet of the game was working better than it has been so far, and the team just looked like a fully functional team, I feel like, um, for the first time this year. What do you think, Aaron? Yeah, this was honestly uh, outside of Akron, which I – They might as well be an FCS school, in my opinion, as far as quality opponent goes. But this is really the first game against a quality opponent where we have put together four complete quarters. And to your point about C.J. Stroud, it's amazing what a week of rest will do for you. And just that ability or that that option there that he had to sit out that that game and just kind of observe from the sideline after getting his own game reps – and kind of reflecting on what needs to be done. How can he t- better take care of business after watching someone else in his spot, if that makes sense? And as far as the defense goes, I was very impressed. You know, on, on my show, we've been kind of talking about taking these small steps to get better because you take a bunch of small steps and that leads to bigger steps. And all of a sudden you look like a different ball team. And that's that's kind of what we're seeing, but much faster than I anticipated, to be honest. Um, I think that with Matt Barnes calling the plays and kind of doing more of the coordinator spot, uh, things have simplified. We're seeing guys being able to pin their ears back and just go get the ball. You know, it's not just cover one, which to me kind of feels like backyard football, you know, drives just, me nuts. Just, yeah, it does. Doesn't it? Cause yes. these guys are so much more capable of what, than what we've been seeing out of what Kerry Combs was having them do. And it's just really amateur-like, if no pun intended, because I know it's college, even though they're getting paid and that whole weird thing. But you don't just 
line up across from the guy and then just follow him all over the field. You know, we're mixing up coverages. We've got DBs rolling into coverages. That stuff throws off the opposing quarterback, and you're seeing the results. We've had three pick sixes in three straight games. You know, we're having yeah. – uh, they're, they're making nice deflections. The DBs are everywhere. Now, I would like to see them get off their blocks a little quicker, but that's nitpicking stuff. You know, that's, again, small steps lead to bigger steps. But they're there. They're getting there. The linebackers are flying all over the field. Look what Ronnie Hickman's doing. That dude's dude, leading he's a beast. tackles. I know. I love this dude. He's quickly becoming one of my favorite players on this defense, not named Haskell Garrett. But that's my take on the whole situation. So it almost seems like Kerry Combs is like the new age day of teaching math. And like Matt Barnes is going back to how we used to learn math back in the day with multiplication tables and stuff like he he's he's complicating everything and i think we ha- we we know we have the athletes we know we have the athletes and i think he's complicated up so much that there was so much indifference and uncertainty that's why you saw him on their heels because they're constantly having to think about what they're doing and once you're on the field you shouldn't have to think about what you're doing it should be like muscle memory like you should just react uh and, and actually do it instead of waiting to see something first then process it then move so but you you said something very important uh, in what you said that I think is something we should dive into a little bit. And that was with uh, the the week that Stroud had to sit. So, of course, you know, what's out there in the news and everything is that Stroud sat because of a shoulder injury. And I call bullcrap on that. And I know Chad probably calls bullcrap on that, too. I'm sure he probably had a sore arm. He's been throwing a crap ton because he's been trying to prove himself in training camp and, you know, throwing 54 times against Oregon. You know, that'll wear your arm out, too. But I feel like this was a pseudo benching against opponent where we knew we could still beat him with a backup to almost give him an instinct of, hey, listen, this is what we really need you to do if you want to keep your job. If not, we have other people in the locker room that might be able to do it better than you. I actually agree. I I think that his shoulder issue was a small percentage of the problem. Um, Because I know I was kind of speculative about the whole thing myself. I mean, you've seen him on national TV, like grabbing at his shoulder every so often throughout the game. Even in the Minnesota game, I noticed it. Yeah, right from the jump, right? But Mm -hmm. I I think that it was a small percentage of it. But also, I think you're right. I think that some of it was a mental thing. Because, I mean, up until this game, he had happy feet. You know, his mechanics looked off, which Mm -hmm. may or may not have contributed or been contributed to by the shoulder issue i don't know but to me it felt like more of a psychological issue because he had major issues settling into games and he was still throwing passes so high Shaq couldn't catch him i mean it was just he was a mess all the way through the third quarter till the game was in hand and then all of a sudden he didn't really have to worry about it so much and he could make passes but against rutgers that wasn't the case so i think that week off was definitely beneficial well, he, he looked way different. And I know, Chad, I'll let you chime in because I know you've been wanting to talk about this. But I think the biggest thing that I noticed difference in him was that he was so afraid to mess up in those first three games. And I think that was predominantly what it looked like. Because, I mean, he literally, like, had big eyes and, like, he was spooked. You know, you could just see he was nervous. Like, he was afraid to mess up. And there's a big difference than actually being aggressive and trying to win instead of trying not to lose. And I think he literally looked in that game so different because his mindset simply changed. He was decisive on plays. He kept the ball in spots when you expect him to keep the ball. He was putting him on the dot. I mean, he he was, you know, he was even feeling pressure in the pocket and moving up. And he just he looked so much more assertive. And I think that was the biggest thing for me. Now I know Chad's been wanting to say something about this, so I'll I'll let him have at it. Yeah, I mean, just to go with everything, you know, I really do feel like it was like a mental health 
rest as much as it was a physical rest. But on top of that, I'll say this, and everybody that listens to this podcast probably already knows this. You know, I was not completely sold on C.J. Stroud. I really wasn't. I've been waiting for him to show me something, waiting for him to show me more than anything that he's a leader, that he can lead this team. And I think he really took a step in the right direction this weekend versus Rutgers because when he he just looks so more put together, like we talked about, like his scrambling, his presence in the pocket was so much better. He ran when he needed to. How many weeks have I been talking about this? Like, dude, run the ball. You got seven yards, eight yards of green space in front of you, and you're still trying to throw the ball from behind the line of scrimmage. Run the freaking ball. I preach and I preach and I preach on that. And finally, dude, he just looked like a completely different player. And I got to say, I'm pretty happy to eat a little bit of crow on that, man. I hope he builds on this and continues, you know, next week to look even better. So, Aaron, I don't know how much you've been listening to our podcast, or if you have, at least the last few episodes, but Chad has been exceptionally hard on C.J. Stroud. And I, for one, have been not sold on him, but definitely not as hard. Now, I know that's been kind of the consensus a little bit, especially for the first three games about his Stroud really the guy. Like, is this what we have left? But how much do you account that to actually being unfair because of what we had with Justin Fields? And how much of that is actually probably actually realistic complaints on him? Well, let's look back at the quarterbacks we've had. Okay, you start with Braxton Miller. Let's move forward to JT Barrett. Hold on, hold on a second. I don't mean to interrupt. Braxton Miller, he he's one of my favorites. I'm sorry. I got a I got a soft spot in my heart for Braxton Miller. So we, we gotta be nice to him, okay? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> this I, is, I got this a, is... I got a mini football helmet with his autograph and it is front and center in my room, okay? <laughs> Listen. I love me. So. I love me some Braxton, even though he's trying to sell me Bitcoin on Twitter now. But I love me some <laughs> Braxton. <laughs> but yeah, it's it coming full circle. You know, we get to JT Barrett, then we move on to you know Dwayne Haskins, and then JT Barrett, or uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Justin Fields. You know, those are some really good quarterbacks that we have had in the last ten years, right? So. You're talking about a kid that took, I think, four snaps last year, and all of them were run plays. Right. Then you throw him into situations this year where his very first game was a nationally televised away night game, and he had to throw the ball like 40 times, 50 mm-hmm. times. Follow that up against a ranked opponent in Oregon. Like, talk about pressure, you know, for a guy that's never thrown a collegiate pass. The inexperience, the unpreparedness, because it's not like he had a full year of preparation last year because of COVID. So the whole team didn't get to practice every day of every week last year. I don't know if you guys were aware of that, but there was minimal practicing, minimal preparation going into last year. And it's honestly a minor miracle what we were able to accomplish, all things considered. So you throw all of that in the mix the expectations from the quarterbacks that we have had in the last 10 years mixed with the inability to prepare because of COVID. He's really only, he's not even had 365 complete days to really get to the point that he's at. And then you throw in the fact he's 19 years old and he's never been at this stage. This is by far the best competition that he's ever faced in his life. So I think the expectations were extremely high and a little bit unfair But by the same token, he was recruited for a reason to come here and do a good job at a high level. And I think we're starting to see that. I don't know if you guys saw, but he had one of the best passes I think I've ever seen um, out of him in recent memory in college football. Was it to the Njigba? Yes. 
I already yes. know which one you're talking about. It was the right after the second half. Man, he yep. threw that thing that he, he Njigba wasn't even open, and he hit him in stride to where the defensive player couldn't even touch the ball. Yeah, that's that's and that right there is why C.J. Stroud is your starter. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I think that Ryan Day had to get him to a point where he is being more decisive. He is more aggressive and he is making better decisions. He's seeing the whole field and making his reads. And I saw that on all levels uh, Saturday. It's almost so like that- he just needed CJ Stroud to believe himself that he was the guy because it's easy this day and age being a young player. You're on social media, you're watching TV, you're hearing all of the noise. And any kind of doubt in there can creep into your mind and make you even more self, you know, conscious about what you're doing. And he's, you know, it just, it like, it's like that flip switch. I don't even know how to explain it. He literally just looked different, completely different. And it looked like he mentally just finally believed in himself. And man, he was throwing darts all day. Yes. And I don't know if you guys watch the post game conferences. I don't usually, but I happened to be a couple of weeks ago, about three weeks ago. I think it was after the Oregon game, actually. He was saying, C.J. Stroud was saying afterward that he is a great player. He knows he's a great player. And it was just the way that he was saying it. It almost sounded like he was trying to convince himself. Exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that he realized that potentially and has gone out and put in the work. And then I think we saw the fruits of his labor. And hopefully we continue to see that moving forward. You know, I got to agree because I kind of bagged on him quite a bit for that press conference. Quite a bit. Good quite a bit. Lord, you, you treated him like the <laughs> yeah. redheaded stepchild at Kmart. Because here's the thing, you know, I, I come from a different, I, I come from a different time, you know, and you guys do too. But, you know, for, I don't want my starting quarterback on TV saying, well, I'm only 19 and, you know, I think I'm a good player. You know, like, like you said, trying to convince himself well, you took it for as excuses. well as everybody else. You took it for excuses. Well, I know the thing that, is, but I, I want, was... I want the old school quarterback. I want a quarterback to take responsibility for everything. ownership. Yeah. Of everything. You know, it's your fault. You're the man. Like, this is this is it. This is your team. You're leading this team. Anything that happens should be your fault, whether it is or not. And you should own that. That's what a leader does. And I just, I really, like, I, he was so wishy-washy about it. Like, it was almost like, like, like Aaron said, he was trying to convince himself that maybe, you know, am I the guy? Like, yeah, I'm the guy. Like, I need to be the guy. And I think just everything that happened, the way it unfolded out here in the public, and also, you know, like in the locker room, I think when everything boiled down, man, finally he sat down and that piece of reflection was like, you know what? I got to do this. Like, I'm going to do this. And I felt that, dude. I actually felt it, which which is a good thing. Because like I said, dude, nobody was bagging on CJ as much as I was coming into this week. Nobody. And uh, that's true. And it's Davis already knows it's really hard for me to admit when I'm wrong. And like I said, I'm happy to eat this crow. I hope that he comes out and just builds on this, man. Because I really think now that he's made some of these passes that he's made and the decision-making is starting to scramble much more, you know, I really think that, you know, with a little bit more fine-tuning, a couple more games under his belt, and the way that Ohio State's schedule is built to kind of ramp up to the hardest competition that we're going to have, like, I really feel like we could be looking at something special come, you know, mid-November. Yeah, and you got to think, man, like, quarterbacks, you know— are all mentally different. Like the way they process information, the way they handle themselves. Like 
we've been spoiled because Justin Fields w- was kind of like the, the best of both worlds. Like he was always very onering of anything that would happen. He was very straightforward. He's very positive. He didn't look like he had emotion or anything. It was all with matter of fact. And we got comfortable with that over two years. You know, we, we really got a gym when he came to us. We don't realize that. And now we're literally dealing with a kid who's, I mean, it's not a different generation than Justin Fields. I'm not saying that, but I mean, you know, it, he he obviously is a kid that was a lot more immature that almost kind of needs some of that assurance early on. And Justin Fields didn't need that. He just took the, you know, the ball and ran with it. So I feel like once we keep building this kid's confidence and he keeps building himself and he keeps getting the work in, I'll be honest, like we haven't beaten Rutgers like that in a couple years. And Rutgers was supposed to be back this year, you know, or they were supposed to be. I mean, they basically beat the team up north in the entire second half and almost won that game. And here we are literally scoring 45 points in the first half. So, I mean, I I think the sky literally could be a limit for this kid as long as we can continue to keep him progressing and he can keep a positive mental state. Now, the question is when things go wrong, I think we've seen some good things early on, but now that he's getting the confidence back, I worry moving forward, if he loses some of this confidence, what kind of player are we going to get? Is it going to go back to some of the overthrows and the indecisiveness? Because we're not going to face Rutgers every week I mean, or Maryland next week. You know, eventually we got Penn State. We got Michigan State. We, Indiana is still Indiana when we play them. And we got the team up north. So he's definitely going to have some roadblocks in here where it's going to be very interesting to see how he mentally handles these things, especially when things go wrong. Because we know at some point it's going to go wrong in some of these games. You know, real quick, moving to the other side of the ball, because one of the reasons I wanted to have Aaron on is because I know he knows a ton about defense. And I just kind of want to feel out, Aaron, what do you think going forward here? I mean, do you feel like they're progressing uh, as, as week to week as it comes along? Do you feel like we're making progress back there, or do you feel like we're going to be looking at the same defense when we play Penn State? I think we are making the right the right steps. We're taking the right steps to get better. You know, and, and these games, like against Akron and I, to a lesser extent, Rutgers, but, you know, we used to call those tune-up games because mm-hmm. you know they're not that good. And right. these are chances for you to get on the field as a unit and execute plays, get your get your stuff right, get yourself together. And what I saw, especially on the D-line, we weren't getting pressure in the first few games. We're starting to do that. They're reading those inside-outside zone plays that we struggled so mightily against Oregon with. They're reading those plays, and they are making the right reactions. Haskell Garrett's plugging up the C-gap, the B-gap. You got both defensive ends are reading straight down the line. They're looking at the mesh point, which is, you know, where you would— the read point for the quarterback, whether he's going to keep it or not. And they're making it a difficult decision. That's why Rutgers couldn't run the ball that well, not least with the ones in there. You know, the twos are a whole different situation, but the linebackers, they're flying all over the place. They're making plays. The DBs, same thing. Again, I mentioned it earlier, but just nitpicking. But this this will be important down the road. But right now I'm kind of nitpicking. they got to get off their blocks a little bit better because something that Maryland likes to do is screen passes. They like to get their athletes out in the open field and see if they can make a play. That's something Maryland is really big on, especially against, like I watched their film against West Virginia and a little bit against Iowa. That game was a mess. They weren't able to really execute much of anything, but they did try up until Demas got hurt. But 
that's something that we got to work on. There are still things to be worked on. We are nowhere near perfect. But to answer your question, yes, we are getting there. We are taking the right steps. And I'm seeing a, a lot of improvement, a lot of simplicity where, uh, like Chad said earlier, they don't have to think. You know, there's also an old saying, if you're thinking, you're stinking. And we stunk in those first few games, and we haven't in the last couple. And that's because the thinking is gone. It's just go get the ball now. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you said. And I hate agreeing on this show because we don't like to agree. But you literally <laughs> said everything that I would literally agree with. And it only it honestly just seems like because you know, and I say it time and time again, we're Ohio State. We have the athletes, we do have the coaching for the most part in position. We we're we're set up to succeed. At at some point, the players gotta play. And if the players are not confident in themselves, it's going to show on the field. And I think over the last two games, we've finally seen confidence, and that confidence is then going to come out in aggressiveness, in tempo, in aggression. And they've just looked so much more hyped the last two games. Now, I know your casual fan is like, okay, well, that was Rutgers and Akron. I mean, given these are still big old boys, you're lining up, you still have to, you know, be in your proper gap you still have to uh, you know be in the right space know what your assignment is but still i mean it's just they're flying to the ball like they they're they, they just look like they want it so much more and i mean i hate coming back to that 2014 year man but it is now it may not necessarily be in, been a defense uh, defensive issue in 2014 but I'm having maybe more fun in this year than I did two years ago in 2019. Because 2019, I literally watched him the entire season going into the playoffs. Like, how the hell are we going to lose a game? Like, we're destroying everyone. Like, we look so much better than everyone. But to an extent, I know what we're capable of, uh, capable of this year. And what I'm seeing is I'm really appreciating the journey and the growth that we're seeing. And I really honestly believe that this team could be better than what we probably could even possibly imagine after those first three games. I mean, I'm, I'm not talking big-time picture playoff national championship, but I'm just saying the amount of growth that we're getting out of this, especially something I want to address before we go into the next game, is the youth movement that we're seeing in college, especially at Ohio State, is is unfathomable. Like you're, you're used to seeing guys wait their turns and, you know, get the reps. And especially this day and age with the transfer portal and everything, it's getting even harder to do as we've seen with several players leaving Jameson uh, Williams and Dallas Gant and Kayvon Pope leaving the team and going to the transfer portal. But I'm, I'm just really looking forward to where this team's going. Yeah. I, you know, I think, I, I think that goes for, for Buckeye nation. Like we've talked about before, man, we're spoiled. We've had we've had many years of success, you know, and not a lot of programs in the country have had that, you know. You take out, you know, Alabama and a, and a couple other names in there, you know, Clemson and stuff like that until this year. But yeah, not a lot at, of, yeah, we could be Clemson this year. It could be worse. True. They're but unranked. you know, you know, we we've had so much. I wouldn't say luck. We've just had a lot of you know good things happen to us. We've been fortunate in a lot of ways, recruiting wise, um, and you know, our fan base being one of the best around. You know, I, I really think that at the end of this year, we're going to be looking at a totally different team than we're than we're seeing today, which brings me to a question I wanted to ask Aaron that I wrote down, which is because Davis is always telling me that my expectations are too high. So when you come into a season, Aaron, and you're looking at a fresh new slate, how do you assess your expectations for the season? 
Uh, well, what I like to do is look at the previous season. Obviously, that's the first thing I think I feel like a lot of people do. But then you have to consider how many of these guys on this year's team were on last year's team. How many of those guys actually played? How many of them played meaningful downs? You, you see what I mean? That's kind of yeah. like the whole CJ Stroud thing. He had four. He got four, four or six snaps. It was single digits regardless. It was all in the Michigan State game, I believe. Yes, yeah, something like or, that. And, but, and then one in the semifinal game when Fields came out from the shot to the ribs and then came right back in. Yeah, but nonetheless, he didn't get to throw the ball at all. And I it, obviously, in a Ryan Day offense, throwing the ball is incredibly important. Yeah. So, you know, I, I was looking at this, and I knew this season was going to be a growing opportunity. I felt like we had the talent to go undefeated. And honestly, as bad as that Oregon game looked, we were still right there in the game. That was still a winnable game up until the end. If you, if you I'm sure y'all watched it. Absolutely. But yeah, we had two cracks at it there in the fourth quarter. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, this, despite all the mess that we experienced in the first few games, we're still looking at potentially being undefeated, you know, and now with us starting to hit our stride, I feel like we have a solid chance at, at repeating for a fifth time, which is unprecedented, I'm pretty sure, in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as assessment, you know, you got to continue to look at who had meaningful downs, who was here, who was not. Look at the schedule, of course. I knew the Oregon game. I felt like it was going to be a rough one. I, didn't, I, I felt like we would win, but I didn't know by how much. Uh, so obviously I was a little bit shocked about that, but uh, – that's pretty much what I look at. Oh, and the coaching staff, of course. You know, who's yeah. returning, who's here, who's in what position. That's what I like to look at. I got a lot of faith in LJ and, and Al Washington. And Kerry Combs, you know, I didn't know how he was going to do as a, as a uh, DC because he's never done it by himself. You know, he had Mattis with him. Mm-hmm. Or Madison, I'm sorry, Madison. Last year. Yeah. 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 So he was kind of a co. He wasn't by himself. Now, Matt right. Barnes, I don't know if y'all were aware of this. But Matt Barnes has done the job by himself. He's done it at Maryland. In I fact. did not know that. I did not know that. Yes. I didn't he, he was their defensive play caller, I believe, the year before he came to Ohio State. So that's actually why he got the first consideration. Even though we do have former Iowa State head coach Paul Rhodes on the staff. Mm-hmm. I don't know if y'all were aware of that either, but he's he's a defensive analyst. So he's getting Matt Barnes is getting input from uh, Paul Rhodes and from all these other analysts as you know, and in working in conjunction with the other coaches like LJ and Al Washington and Kerry Combs. But yeah, he does have that experience. Um, but you have to look at things like that, you know, who's, who's coaching who and who has the experience, the schedule. There's a lot that goes into it as, as far as how I look at things. So I, I think and that was really good input. So if you were to guess, go back, or maybe if you can recall, maybe some of those preseason podcast that you did what would what was your expectation for this year or what do you recall what it was my expectation was to be undefeated and that's because I have a lot of faith in Ryan Day to develop quarterbacks uh watching what he did with Dwayne Haskins you know and then obviously Justin Fields from I mean he showed up ready to play anyway but I I, I feel like you watch the progression uh as Davis mentioned through the season, that's other than the chess match that is football. 
the progression from quarter to quarter, game to game, year to year for each player is something that I thoroughly enjoy to watch. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It's not just X's and O's for me. I thoroughly enjoy watching these guys get better. CJ Stroud, you know, the very first game, I, I, I was talking mad trash, man. <laughs> and look, looking back on it, I was like, man, I, I, I said that he was his his passing chart looked like Joe Bowserman's. I mean, that pass. I remember like, that. That was, <laughs> it was the one terrible. where it had the lines going into the stands and then the yes. Blue and all. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. But now you look at it, you know, he's he's got experience. He's got three more games under his belt and the dude is just he looks lights out. So now the next step is against better Better competition. Yeah. Yes. So we'll see what kind of resiliency he does have as a man uh, when he does get hit in the mouth by Penn State or Iowa or whoever it is we run into. And we'll see how he reacts. You know, is he going to show up and throw more interceptions or are they going to end up going into the the. (laughs) <laughs> the 10th level of the stadium like what are we looking at here right. or is he going to show up like justin fields does and just start dropping dimes because he's pissed off and um, i think i think you hit something on the head there where a lot of people probably would definitely agree with you that their expectation coming into this year was probably undefeated mainly because we still didn't feel like there was anyone in the big 10 that was better than us now given there could be a close game of finicky stuff could happen but realistically there's no one in the big 10 that's better than us and then we looked at Oregon as Oregon was replacing a quarterback. And even though they had some good defensive players, but realistically, you know, especially coming over from the West Coast on an away game, like we had everything in front of us where our expectations for almost anyone you would probably ask would be undefeated. So I think that's what's kind of fueled this whole fire is that, you know, coming out those first three games and looking the way we had was definitely extremely under expectations for the public or for the big time fans, but in the locker room, this is probably all part of a process that they've been talking about this whole time that we are not even aware of, you know, and I think it's easy for us to sit there and expect such high things, which I'm not saying don't have high expectations. Like Chad says, I said, I'm thinking it's more being realistic that we're replacing a lot of key parts on the team, you know, starting running back, uh, starting quarterback, all the entire linebackers, uh, a couple key players um, in the defensive backfield. You know, we're replacing a ton, especially some key defensive players on the line, like Tommy Togiai. I mean, he he was a, more of a beast than I people think realize how good he was. And that showed when he didn't play against Alabama. But I think the, the thing that I still want to pick your brain about, Aaron, before we move on to this uh, Maryland preview real quick, is this youth movement that I mentioned earlier. Uh, We have key players, whether they are true freshmen or whether they're redshirt freshmen, that are really kind of stepping up and making almost the majority of the plays. I mean, I can think of Denzel Burke, who's coming out of nowhere, and he looks like the best defensive back we have on the field. We're talking about Trayvon Henderson, who is currently, I think, ranked seventh uh, favorite for the Heisman already. Uh, Obviously, we have Stroud, who's actually climbed up to the third favorite or the second favorite Heisman. Um, and there's a couple off the top of my head I can't think of, but, uh, you know, there, there's a big, oh, um, JTT and Jack Sawyer who are uh, continuing to see more and more playtime. And you're definitely seeing JTT get in there and really mix it up. So, uh, Ronnie Hickman's only a sophomore. Yeah. So I, and, and Chad mentioned something about maybe in past couple episodes about trouble in the locker room. And I think he's not completely wrong. I don't think we have a torn locker room, but I think these young guys are really, 
stepping up and these older guys have been in the system might be having issues because they're losing playing time because these other guys are stepping up and really making plays. So what do you take of this youth movement that you're really seeing? Because this is kind of unprecedented. Wouldn't you agree? I do agree. Yes. And as far as trouble in the locker room, I I mean, look at who they're who look at who it is. You know, it's it's a lot of older Urban Meyer guys, like you said, you know, it's it's the elder statesmen in the room who felt like they waited their turn. But the problem mm-hmm. is you don't wait. You got to attack every single day. You want to start at Ohio State University. You got to bring it every single day. That's that's not yeah, a given. Absolutely. You don't just get handed a job here. You know, we we are trying to compete with Alabama. We're trying to compete with Georgia. We're done trying to mess with Penn, the Penn States, the Iowas, the Maryland's, uh, the Oregon's. We're done trying to compete with those type of programs. We want to be top two every single year. And the only way to do that is through competition, because even in the business world, what drives the market up? Competition. Mm-hmm. So as far as the youth movement, you are correct. These kids are showing up and they're bringing it. They came here to play. They're not coming in to sit on their hands for three years and then, well, I'm a junior. I'm a redshirt junior. I'm a senior. It's my job now. Wrong. Completely wrong. Kayvon Pope, deuces, man. You know, you don't you acted completely childish for somebody who's old enough to drink and has been in the program long enough to know better. That's a grown man that acted the way he acted. And that is embarrassing. Absolutely. He should. And that's kind of what I was saying. Like the, you know, the, the young guys are coming in and they're pushing out the older guys. And I think we were going through a slight change in the guard in the first two or three games of the season. I think that's where we were. And I could feel it. You could feel it with, with players entering the transfer portal. Like you said, with, with Pope losing his mind on the sideline. I mean, you could feel the frustration. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's a great thing. It's a good thing. To have freshmen coming in and beating out seniors because they're that much better or they want it that much more, those are the kind of guys I want. I want them every day, but I could kind of feel it. I think we're pushing through the changing of the guard right now, both between seniors and underclassmen and also between Ryan Day and Urban Meyer. And we're really starting to see, and I, that's that iron, you know, shapes iron kind of thing. But we're, I think we're really starting to see who is really a team player, who's really for the team, and who's a me player. And I think – these, uh, you know, exits that we had from recent players, these are the me guys. And that's pretty obvious. And I mean, are we getting to the day and age where we're not going to see that Justin Hilliard anymore? And I mean, I was, I had a soft spot in my heart for Justin Hilliard. I thought he was excellent and he stuck it out, but really that's almost kind of like we're getting into evolving into kind of a new thing where with this NIL and everything, you know, these players are expected to produce early. I mean, these kids are getting million dollar contracts early before they even play a snap. I was going to say our fourth string quarterback has a million dollar deal. (laughs) Yeah. 1.4. And, and he's not going to see the, I really don't think he'll see the field this year and he shouldn't in in my opinion. And he should have understood that from the get go. I mean, maybe if he came in next year, there was potential. Um, but yeah, I just think we're in a completely different day and age in college football where, you know, sticking it out and waiting your turn and putting in the reps and then the upper upperclassmen, you know, I always think, I don't know why, but I always go back to the Rudy movie in my head of just, you know, you know, working your way up. And I, I don't know why I always resonate with that movie when I think that, but we're just in a completely different day and age in college football. And these young guys, especially with so many more uh, opportunities to 
like improve at an early age. Like there's better youth programs in football. They're more developed by the time they leave high school. They're more intelligent. Like the the offenses that are ran in high school are a lot more uh, complicated and complex and more NFL driven than they've ever been. So these kids are literally coming in straight out of high school and they're a lot more college ready, if that makes sense. And then when you're topping that by pulling in these five-star athletes, some of the best in the country that are more prepared, they're obviously getting into the game and making a difference. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, stop and look at who the most experienced, uh, units on the field are for Ohio State it's the offensive and the defensive line I mean outside of the wide receiver room I, I I suppose but think about what that affords the other players to be able to accomplish mm-hmm. you know you have those older guys who know the system who know their job specifically and they're good at it they're allowing these other guys an opportunity to get better because they are teaching them they are uh, paying it forward to quote Woody and they're keeping C.J. Stroud upright. The defensive line, after the last two games, they're finally getting that pressure. They're allowing the linebackers to get to their read spots, their drop zones. Same thing with the DBs, man. I mean, it's it's all something that I feel like you're 100% right about it. Is They are expected to perform right away, but I do feel like you're still going to see some of these older guys. I mean, look at Demario McCall. Talk about a team player. That guy's changed positions every year he's been here, it feels like. I mean, he came here to play H-back. He, they just did away with it. You know what I mean? Because Urban Meyer left, and then we just we don't even use an H-back really anymore. So he's changed position. He went out the wide receiver. Now he's a DB, and, I mean, he's doing everything he can. I don't know if you guys watch him, but he's flying around, and he's all about hitting people. But, yeah. <laughs> but that's just an example. I, I think you will still see things like that. Um, And I say that because these NIL deals, yes, it does provide higher expectation to perform much quicker, but these guys don't feel the pressure to go pro faster anymore because now they're making enough money to get by and then some by a lot in most cases. So, and that's in college, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't think we're going to see this two or three and out stuff anymore and i think you'll see the same thing with college basketball like all those one and done deals i i unless they're like super top prospects but still i i think you will still see people hanging around i don't think it'll change a whole lot the only thing i don't like is this transfer portal man it's like it just gives these kids an out they're like oh i I don't i don't want to earn it so you know what I see that uh, you know cincinnati has an opening i'll just transfer there and play and it's the one it's the ones getting Go ahead. I'll say it's the ones that like immediately go like as soon as they make a decision on quarterback on who's starting week one, like immediately see the backup going to transfer portal. Like that's the crap I, I hate seeing. Like it's a different thing if it's midseason, you've been putting in the work and maybe there's a difference of opinion and you're willing to go somewhere and sit and work to work your way up. I I, I can appreciate that because, you know, there are some instances between coaching changes or you're just not mixing well with the system or maybe it's just not for you once you're there, but you're giving it an attempt. But kids are just so willing to quit immediately and just move to where they think they can start. doesn't matter what the system is or where it's at. They just want to play. Yeah, you know, dude, it's not even really it's not even really the transfer portal itself that really irritates me. Like I get what it's for, what it's purpose for, but I believe it's being abused. And I mean yes. that by saying that. They're giving exemptions to kids and letting kids transfer out for whatever they make up. I'm not saying that all the stories are made up, 
But I'm saying we all know this many things are not happening around the country where all of a sudden, you know, randomly uh, uh, you lose your job on the field and you want to go somewhere else. And all of a sudden now, you know what I mean? Something tragic has happened to you at the university and you have to leave there. I mean, let's get real, you know, but they but they <laughs> it's, keep, the free, it's the free agency market now is basically what it is. Yeah, just my point is there has to be some more governing on this thing. If they're going to keep it, you there better not rely be. upon the NCAA to do anything because God, it's like every three months they poke their head out of the, their little hole and say something. And it makes everyone just scratch their head and be like, just go back in your hole. Like you're not even doing anything. Like just get back in there. Like they're, I've never met a governing body. Well, I take that back. I've seen our white house, but that's, that's my take <laughs> on it. But I'd say I've never seen a governing body that just makes me scratch my head more than the NCAA. You know, it's just, what are they even there for? Like, I know last year when we were talking about should Ohio State leave the Big Ten and what is Kevin Warren doing, but in college football in general, like, why doesn't college football just go off and do their own thing? Because, well, honestly, we're making most of what the NCAA makes anyways besides March Madness. So, you know, we're not getting any benefit from them other than just the name. I don't even think we use NCAA in football at all. They call it just college football. Let me ask yeah. you guys a quick question, though, about this transfer portal. Do you think Jack Miller or Kyle or uh, yeah Kyle McCord are going to transfer? I I have an e a quick take that I've changed my mind recently on it. Um, at first instinct was Jack Miller more than anyone possibly Kyle McCord's going to wait his turn. I have a feeling knowing yours is now there and seeing that Stroud could potentially really be that guy maybe for an, another year after this, and knowing how good McCord is. McCord could potentially transfer, and I might even say transfer to Rutgers because that's where his dad played. And I think McCord is good enough to possibly play almost anywhere, um, but I think he's being put between a rock and a hard place because if Stroud really kind of takes these reins, he's not going to take that spot over from Stroud. And then Ewers, if he is everything everyone says he is, you give him another year or two in the system. If he doesn't leave himself, I don't see a spot McCord plays to be honest with you. Well, let me throw this at you too. Yeah. His dad played at Rutgers, but he played his high school ball in the state of Pennsylvania in Ooh. Philadelphia. And yeah, Penn's, about that. Sean Clifford is gone after this season. So James Franklin's going to need a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. And, and honestly, that's who I think is going to be the person. I think Jack Miller understands his role, but he, I think he really enjoys Ohio state and I don't see Jack Miller being good enough to possibly go somewhere unless it's lower level, but I don't see him leaving. I, I just, I have a weird feeling. I don't see Jack Miller leaving. I think if the person leaves, it's gotta be McCord. See, I'm going to throw a wrench in everybody's day today because when I look at this situation and Davis and I've had this conversation before, I'm worried about yours leaving because I think CJ Stroud, as much as he's progressing and he takes over this team, this is going to be his team. And he's going to be back next year. And I just feel like yours, it's just the way he carries himself. I don't think he's a kid that's going to wait around long. You're just really mad because you can't grow a mullet. I tried, and it was terrible. <laughs> it just doesn't look good on you. It looks Listen, terrible. You're a fat but, Irish guy now. Exactly. Like, it doesn't look good. And At I'm least just you can't worried. grow hair. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I'm got totally that. bald, man. I was about to say, I don't know if Aaron was just coming out of the woodwork and knocking me or what, but I guess we're two ball guys over yeah. here. So David, no, Davis hey. can grow an onion. I call it the onion, you know, around bald the sides. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the cul-de-sac. Yeah. yeah. Right. But you know, yeah, when, it's when like when a halo ring, dude. I just, I bick razor the whole thing off. Just, I, I do everyone a favor so they don't have to stare at me. But I, I think, 
I don't know, man. I think we're looking at a really weird situation because – and also I'm excited, man. I'm that guy. You know, I feel like we have a car under a cover parked in a garage, and we don't know what it is, and I want to drive it. Okay, that's just the way I am. I see it there. I'm like, I wonder what this car can do. Let's see what this car can do. You know, so I'm kind of stuck in there. And plus, you know, the things that have happened before with, you know, Joe Burrow transferring out and stuff like that. I'm not saying that we'd be missing anything if C.J. Stroud's our starting quarterback. I just want to know what yours is going to be. And I think the longer we keep him off the field, the more we risk not being able to find out. I'm going to let Aaron take this one for a second. Well, I know that from everything reported from Ryan Day, Quinn Ewers is struggling to transition into college life right now. He doesn't know the playbook at all. He is not getting the reps at practice. Uh, I think that Quinn Ewers understands that he's still a kid. He's still a child. He's not even old enough to buy cigarettes. And by that, I mean 18 years old because I think they changed the laws in some places. I don't know if that's a it's fact. It's because you're old, Aaron. If that's that's what a it fact. Is. You remember when it was 18. That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I think that Quinn Ewers, I, I do believe he'll be here at least two more years. And I think the C.J. Stroud, I think you're right in what you're saying. This is his team until it's not anymore. And whether that's by him leaving or Quinn Ewers taking the job, I don't know. But I do know this, where there's smoke, there's fire. So I'm like you, Chad. I want to see what he can do. But at the same time, he is absolutely not ready to do that yet to show us and Ryan Day does it's I, at this point I feel like it's a safety thing because if he goes out there not knowing the playbook, seventeen years old he doesn't have a man's body he's gonna get busted up, you know what I mean? But here's yeah, here's the here's the silver lining for me with Quinn Ewers, Pat Mahomes put his stamp of approval on this kid. Okay, so I think that Ryan Day is a smart man and I think he's gonna do what it takes to get Quinn Ewers on the field because if Pat Mahomes is sitting there saying yo, this kid's got some skills, I believe it. He just has to manifest that into the college realm. He just has to get up to speed so he can show us. And I think it's interesting for Ryan Day, really. I think about that so, that all the time. You know, when I'm sitting here, I'm like, man, what if I was Ryan Day right now? I'm in this situation. You know what I mean? Like, it would be difficult, as much as I talk about loyalty on this program and stuff like that, it would be difficult if I'm Ryan Day and I got a kid, you know, I mean, that's in his third year and a second year starter, you know, to come in. But we got the shiny new car over here. It would be hard for me either way. It would be hard for me to throw the shiny new car in and it would be hard for me to keep the shiny new car off the field both ways. I just can't imagine what, what that decision must be like. Well, it's a hell of a problem to have. You know what I mean? You have all that talent. I mean, look at the running backs. For goodness sake, I feel like in any of those three guys could probably go anywhere else and start almost. I look at the oh, wide yeah. receivers. Jamison Williams couldn't even get on the field. He goes down to Alabama, and he is magically, it, it, immediately, their number one guy. That's mm -hmm. how loaded this team is as far as talent. They can go anywhere and make an impact right away. And that's a heck of a problem to have if you're Ryan Day, and I'm right there with you. I am glad I'm not in his shoes because that is a very rough decision to make. Yeah. <laughs> Which Lamborghini do we go with today, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a, just so worried about losing potentially what you have that we still got to kind of keep in context what we still have in front of us here because we still have the capability to keep all of our goals in front of us with the current team we have. And I think it's it's very 
it's very easy to look ahead and think that, oh, here's the new next best thing. It's kind of like, you know, back when you get a girlfriend back in high school, you're like, oh, she's cool and everything. But then you're like, man, I wonder if that girl's like over there. Like maybe she's next best thing. But then all of a sudden you date her like, man, I really wish I had that past girl. Like it's always going to be a problem, especially at Ohio State. But I think if we can just kind of get on board with who we've got now and focus on that. And like you said, Brian Day's not getting paid millions of dollars. Because he's an idiot. There's not a reason that I was going to say yes. He is getting paid millions of dollars. Not because he's an not not because he's an idiot. Because he knows what he's doing. And even though he doesn't have any head coaching experience, I think he is more of a player's coach than what Urban ever was. And I think that more of the players are being able to relate to him. But he's also and Chad's Chad's always big on this favoritism. Not the favoritism. What's the word I'm looking for? Chad, they always talk about yes, this loyalty thing. That there's loyalty. And I think if any time Chad has possibly been proven wrong on this part is look at who's playing this year. Look at who's possibly playing. I mean, I think you've been a little bit blind to loyalty thinking that C.J. Stroud may not have been the guy. Don't be mistaken between loyalty. We're talking about changing up the guard where you got Urban Myers players here, Ryan Day's players in and upperclassmen and stuff like that. So those lines are a little bit blurred this year. I'm talking about if you got a third-year quarterback there, and maybe you think the guy below him is better. Um, he may not start for a right, lot of That was of your coaches. argument with loyalty going into this year with Stroud. And I know you've, I, I'm not going to beat a dead horse. I know you've ate a little bit of crow on that. And I know there's still time to tell. But I think that Ryan Day is going to go against the grain more with this loyalty. And that's why we're seeing so many young people start. And I think that's why you've seen Seven Banks and Harry Miller and some of these other players that have not played. You know, I, I know the best. I want to see the best players on the field at all times. And I realistically, no feelings for the first time that Ryan Day is the guy that's actually going to do that. Aaron, I want to know your take on that. What do you think? I think you're right. I think that Urban Meyer had major loyalty issues. I mean, I there was one year our linebackers just looked freaking terrible, and it's because he brought on some dude that was at his wedding to coach them because he needed a job. Like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. What I mean? Who does that? You know, I wish I knew urban hell. I could have gotten season passes. Yeah, no (laughs) doubt. No doubt. Like I'm tired of spending hundreds of dollars on tickets, but either way, uh, I think that Ryan day is kind of like the three of us. He wants the best 11 on the field at all times. That's, that's what I think. And that's, I think that's what we're seeing. Cause I mean, if you go by the loyalty factor, master Teague should have been the starter and he wasn't. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And he definitely dropped number three, not even number two. He dropped the number three on the roster. Yeah, because Mayan Williams is has looked that good, in my opinion. Trayvon Henderson, it is what it is. So yeah, he's just he he's stupid good. What is going on with Mayan Williams? Somebody tell me the the truth. I've heard four or five different things. So he missed a practice uh, the week. I forget what he was sick, right? He was sick the week going into Tulsa. Yes. Yeah. He was sick. No, no, I'm sorry. The week going into Akron. Yeah. And he, he missed a practice so that he got sat down. Now this week, his mom got on Twitter. I don't know what a deal with his mom is, but she's always talking about Mayan on Twitter and what's going on with him because there was some rumblings that he was entering the transfer portal, that there was issues in the locker room. She dispelled those myths. That is not true. He is not transferring. There are no issues in the locker room. He's been sick. He's battling some injuries. He's got some boo-boos, and he's dealing with it. So I think that he got sat this week to deal with that. Okay. Now, Chad, you well, heard something different, didn't you? Yeah, but you never know how it is around here. I didn't hear it from a credible source. I just heard that 
That's the, yeah, yeah, that, 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 that I want to know how many credible sources you really have, Chad, because most of the time when we talk and you're like, oh, I heard somebody's like, oh, I was from Phil at the bar last Thursday. Yeah. Like <laughs> Phil works, Phil works on the floor, you know, you know, you know, third what's, shift, you know like, what's messed up though. We talk about it and joke about it all the time. The most credible source that I have is my aunt. And that's the weirdest thing yeah. because she hangs out. Okay. At this, at this, I'll call it the yacht club. Okay. And all the coaches' wives hang out there, and you know a lot of people with a lot of money hang out there. And things that get thrown around there, almost a hundred percent of the time, are true. Yeah, we I knew. Heard, I heard Urban Meyer was coming here a yeah. long time before he came. We knew he you was going to get suspended before that happened. Yeah, like it goes down at the yacht club. Okay, don't get it twisted. These women out there <laughs> get a couple of chardonnays in them, and stuff starts flying. Okay, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. But uh, but real quick, uh, before we uh, let you off here, uh, we definitely want to talk about Maryland for a quick minute um, and kind of what you think uh, is going to happen, how you see the game going, and maybe if we can get a score prediction from you. Sure. So looking at their film, okay, they run a typical 10-11 personnel spread inside, outside zone concepts, just like we've been seeing week in and week out. They like to run different screen plays because they have guys with speed, and it's to their advantage to get those guys to the perimeter in the open field to allow them to be athletes and make plays. Dante Demas is their best receiver. He's the guy they like to use to stretch the field. However, I don't know if y'all watched the game, but kneecaps aren't supposed to go to the back of your leg, and it's not supposed to bend that way. So he's not there. They don't have a guy to stretch the field now, not not the way that Demas did. Now, Talia... You know, his brother was pretty darn good at, at Bama. I'm not sold on him, though. Yeah, he will make a lot of mistakes under pressure. And thankfully, the D-line is hitting their stride right when it had, like, as it is currently. Because mm-hmm. uh, we just need to get a hat on him, make him make decisions quickly. He will he will turn the ball over. Uh, on defense, I they run a multiple. I saw them run 4-3. I saw them run a 4-2-5, 3-3-5, and a 3-4. Uh, wow. But what, Yes, so they, they are running a multiple under Mike Loxley, um, and that's that's fine. You know, they, they don't exactly have a great defense, in my opinion. Um, looking at the numbers, Iowa had 145 yards rushing, 283 passing. Illinois, yeah, Illinois had 150 <laughs> rushing. Kent State had 150 rushing and 308 passing. I hear Kent uh, State's up this year. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> they, they, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's national title or bust. But uh, yeah, yeah. West Virginia got held to 48 rushing yards, but that's because their quarterback got sacked like 19 times. But that's neither here nor there. They still uh, threw for 277 pass yards. None of these teams, except for maybe Iowa, are on the level of Ohio State. All right. The one common theme that I saw with Maryland's defense against quality opponents is they are susceptible to big run plays. West Virginia and Iowa both gashed them up a couple of times on big runs. And again, West Virginia, I I think their running back's name, his last name is like Letty or something, but either way, he's not Travion Henderson. I'm not sure that he's even Master Teague, all right? I feel like our line is better than anything they have seen, minus Iowa, of course, but I, I think this is a game where 
we can take advantage of the run game. I think that we can blow this thing open. I think if uh, Travion Henderson, who exited the game early last week, I don't know if you guys were tracking, but oh, he, yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you know, he, I think he underwent some concussion protocol, but I think that we were up enough by the time he got the okay to return that Ryan Day was just like, ah, it's, I'm not yeah. going to risk it. It's not even worth it. But this yeah. is a game where Travion can really have a good day. And I'm not sold on Maryland's secondary either. They're not exactly out there forcing a ton of turnovers. Uh, the, the turnovers they got from West Virginia was because West Virginia's quarterback is not that hot. I'll be straight right. up. Not that right. good. And the fact you let Kent State throw for 308 on you, ah, I, I think this is going to be another big game for the Buckeyes. Yeah, so okay. where, where are you seeing this at? If you had to give us a score prediction right now. Now, of course, we know that I think the over-under is at like 68. Not that not if you ever even take that into account, because I'll be honest, you, you could not even tell me what a spread and over-under is, and I usually give a prediction personally without that. But I know I think the over-under is like around 68 and a half, and uh, the over-under is at 20 and a half. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't even look at that stuff. because I, I honestly don't either. It's silly to me. I just I don't bet and I just don't care. It's because you don't know. You know what well, I mean? I bet. Somebody... I bet. I'm just not very good. That's why I don't even bother looking at him anymore. <laughs> I just go with a feeling at that point. I mean, somebody could get hurt and then all of a sudden you can't. You know what I mean? I mean, look yeah. at what look what happened to Maryland. Demas goes down and they play flat. So I mean, it just depends. Yeah. You know, are we going to get a pissed off Maryland team that wants to? Uh, give you know dedicate the rest of the season to their best wide receiver somebody that they covet and love as a teammate a brother or are they going to come out flat the way they did against Iowa you know like what we don't know what Maryland we're going to get I'm not really sure that it matters because Ohio State's hitting their stride Maryland is falling down somehow and I I'm going to go ahead and say Buckeyes 45 Maryland 17 I like it yeah I like that one too and I agree in the fact that, you know, I think the players on Ohio State are starting to get offense. You see taking this stride. I think the biggest thing is, you know, we simplified things and we've we've gotten them to where they're really believing in themselves. And I, I don't know if you read they're even having like internal competitions of who's going to have more sacks. Like, is it going to be the D line? Is it going to be the line or the ends or is it going to be the interior line? Like, you know, they're almost playing games within games to motivate themselves on the field. So regardless of the opponent, they're constantly pushing themselves. I fully expect that we're going to continue to see progression. I think I said this last couple episodes, Chad, I'm fully expecting us to continue to progress. I don't see us digressing at this point because I think you saw what our basement was early on. And I don't I still don't think we've seen our ceiling. And I think that's the most exciting thing about this season is that I don't even know where we could possibly be yet. I know where we've been. I think that's about as bad as we could be. But I don't see us going back there. And back there was still a hundred yards better than Oregon and losing only by seven. So I really think that we could potentially be a special team this year if we keep growing oh i hope you're right i mean it's when i look at things you know from from an outside from a bird's eye view what i'm trying to do is take my ohio state fandom out of this okay and kind of rise above it and look down on it a little bit and when i see it you you really can see ohio state starting to take off you can see it i think it's you can see it in the national picture and i think you can tell that by you know we haven't even talked about this yet but you know the the AP poll comes out Yeah. yeah You know, we we win a game pretty handily and drop a ranking, but then this year we come out look or this game we come out look like a complete team, and all of a sudden we jump up into the top ten. Well, so, we don't I mean, we we don't only jump up; we jump up ahead of Oregon, who beat us. Yeah, 
That yeah, that's a good. Well, they I think that was telling right there because people I think even realized we're a better team than Oregon. We just played like crap that game. Yeah, yep. I mean, you know, I, I just think, I think that that is super important because, as much as you know what I mean, we, we talk about this, you know, as being fans and and stuff like that. The national media and dude, perception is reality. Let's be honest, okay. So if the national media says that you're the number two or one team in the country, that's where you're going to end up. Let's just be honest. If they're out there talking about, oh, they don't look good. We got questions of quarterback. We got questions of that. Do they keep you out? Media is driven by, you know, drives a lot of things. And you could just tell, man, the way they yeah. were talking about us after Tulsa, you would have thought that we were the worst football team in the world. But the way they're talking about us now after Rutgers, here we are at rank number seven. You know what I mean? So well, you're starting feel, to have some comparisons out there too. Now they're like, oh, well, Michigan is, is Michigan really back? And they beat Rutgers by seven and almost lose in the second half. And then we come out and blow them out in the first half. Like we're, we, we've seen some comparisons now. Like we're going to see a lot too when we see Penn State play Iowa this weekend yeah. and really see what that's about. And I mean, I'll be honest, I'm rooting for Penn State to win that game personally. <laughs> yeah. Because that's only going to further help our case down the road. Right. When we play them in October. So, well, Aaron, hey, before we get off here, real quick, um, tell everybody, all of our listeners, about your podcast and where they can find it. All right. So, I co host the OHIO podcast with my buddies Eric and Chris. And you can listen to the show on any platform across the board, literally, that you want to find your podcasts on. And they are all available on. Monday mornings and Thursday mornings. Monday is your review of the game from Saturday, and then Thursday is the preview for the next game. Awesome, dude. Well, I'll tell you what. I've been listening to the YHO podcast. I know Davis has, too, for quite a while, and we're definitely fans, man. So keep doing what you guys are doing, man, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you soon. I appreciate that a lot, man. Thanks for having me on. I look forward to having you guys on for the uh, the, yeah the Maryland review game. Awesome, yeah, we can't wait, yeah. man. Appreciate it. We're looking forward to uh, possible collaborations in the future, like you said with the Maryland game. And just thanks for stopping by, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. I had a great time. I, I've listened to you guys' show in the past, and you guys are awesome. It is it's it's a breath of fresh air. The the humor mixed in with the football. This is a great podcast, man. You guys just keep plugging away. Thanks, Aaron. We appreciate it. Thanks, man. Have a good day. You too. Yeah, so uh, he's awesome, man. Um, he's got great info. And like you said, you know him from back when you guys played football together. So he definitely pulls uh, some good information. He's a great football mind. You know what I mean? Like I said, I've known him a long time. Stand-up guy. And by the way, Aaron, if you hear this part, man, thanks for your service. Uh, he's you know a uh, um, current service member in the military. So I'm always a big fan of that, of course. Um, but yeah, so Davis, let's move forward here. We heard what, uh, what he said about Maryland. Uh, what do you think is going to happen? So I, I tend to base my early reactions off of what I've seen up to this point. And since we have a little bit better of a sample size between both what Maryland's done and Ohio state, I know Maryland, I think that Iowa game was their first loss if I'm not mistaken. So both teams are coming in, what, four and one, something like that. But again, you're looking at the competition and how they stacked up against it. And it's very apparent that Ohio State is starting to trend up and Maryland is starting to trend down. And I think even if they both came into this game unbeaten, I would still expect it to be a 20-point game. So I don't see it too much differently than he did. Um, I definitely want to see 
Um, I don't think Stroud needs to be crazy good in this kind of game. I think these are the kind of games where you just utilize him and he doesn't need to be like a game breaker. You know, if he gets upwards of 300 passing yards, that's great. But you keep him around the 250 range and we rush for another 250, I'm happy. You know, this is the game you just kind of balance it up, keep them on their toes a little bit, be productive. Don't take any crazy, stupid shots. You don't have to open up your playbook crazy and release, you know, release anything uh, that can be on game film. You know, just play good, solid football. You're better than the other team. Execute, fly around the ball. Um, try to, and the other thing is keep players safe. You know, let's, we don't want any crazy, stupid injuries to happen to any key players, but I mean, I'm seeing this as a, a, a pretty easy victory overall. Okay. Well, let's hear it. What's the score? Don't leave us on suspense. All right. So, uh, gosh, I think we're averaging, you know, we're right around 43, 44 points a game on the season. I think we're going to be pretty close to right around our average there. So I'm going to call it like Aaron on the dot, because that was kind of what I was thinking in my head as well. I'm 45, 17 as well. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you this much right now. I feel so much better about our offense. It feels like a weight's been lifted. I feel like I was studying for a test that I wasn't sure I was going to pass, and I feel like this last weekend, like, it's over with. Like, it's on. I can move on. I'm not worried about our offense at all versus them. I think we're going to do whatever we want to at will, um, whether that's running or passing the ball. And I think, really, the score is just going to completely depend on how long Ryan decides to leave the starters in um what i am interested in seeing is that maryland you know they can pass the ball so i am a little bit interested to see how our secondary does you know with a little bit of a a test so i'm interested to see our pass defense against a more throwing type of offense so we've been tested with the run and proven time and time again here so far in the first couple games of the season that we're pretty good at stopping the run. And I would like to see what we're looking like versus the team that is going to pass the ball more. So I think that's going to be a little bit of a test. And I don't mean a test like they're going to compete in the game. They're not. I mean a test like it'll be nice to see us mix up some coverages, see how we're doing, you know, rotate some players in and out, get some experience, and continue to progress as a team. So with that being said, I think Ryan Day's still going to pour it on because he's gained momentum and he's trying to move up in the rankings. I see this game in the neighborhood of 52-17 Buckeyes. Ooh, nice. I think it's the first time all year that you've actually, uh, your uh, score prediction has actually been higher for Ohio State points than mine. I think I've actually had it higher the whole time. I, I got rejuvenated last week by by watching him play. I really didn't see that happening. Um, I was down in the dumps, you know, Davis, talking about getting up on my roof, talking about all this stuff. And I just felt like I called you on the way home because I wasn't able to watch the game exactly when I planned. Because on you needed it. to talk to someone to make sure you didn't turn into oncoming traffic, too. And I had to talk you down. Yeah, pretty much. And I thought, <laughs> you know what, let me call Davis and see what he thought the game was. Because you're ultimately always more positive than me. Well, how, how what if I told you before the season even started and looked you in the eyes and said it would take the Rutgers game for you to believe in this offense? <laughs> what would you have said to me? I don't. I probably would have driven my truck in the nearest lake. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I got full coverage. I mean, <laughs> we can get it out. <laughs> yeah. Who needs to get it out? We got yeah. full coverage. Just leave it in there. But yeah, you're you're right though, man. And I said I'm willing to, dude. I was on the ledge. I just I didn't see any reprieve from everything that was going on. But I just feel like 
And, it, you yeah. know, it's not even the fact that C.J. Stroud came out and threw like he did or that he scrambled or that he ran or that we had three picks on the day. That's not what it was. It was the fact that we felt it felt right. And I've been telling you about that all year long. Yeah, it, it definitely just had the feel feeling. Right. It had the yeah. feeling, man, the whole way through. I mean, scoring 14 points in 40 seconds in the first two minutes of the game, uh, being up 30, what, 30, almost 35 points in the first uh, quarter in a minute. Like, yeah, it was crazy. A- like Dude, we literally, we I felt like we could have hung almost ninety points on them if we would have just kept starters out there and kept rolling. And like I've said before, dude, if we lose a game playing like we did last weekend, I'm cool. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, we lose a game playing like we did against Tulsa, I'm not fine. You know, <laughs> that's just the I way think, it I is. I think I honestly feel like we're not going to see those kind of performances anymore. I really don't because that was as low as we could have been. We had players not sure where they're supposed to be. We didn't have any continuity. We didn't have some experience. We're getting experience. We're getting continuity. We're getting more simplified, more aggressive coaching. Uh, the only way we can possibly trend at this point is up, and I feel like we're starting to get that fire and that belief in the team overall that I don't see us going back in the other direction. I see us continuing to progress forward. So let's I go ahead and roll right. that into our prop bets. And Listen, I'm dude, gonna, I don't want to talk about it. Let's continue because I enjoy these I don't want to talk they're, about They're it. really fun. I'm having a great time doing prop bets. <laughs> Let me so, tell you a story about a guy that doesn't want to talk about it. <laughs> let me tell you a story about a guy that has to pay up on another prop bet, and that guy is Chad. Dude, so, I already got – okay, for those of you that don't know, I have a I, I have a profile picture on my Facebook, okay? And you already know what it is if you listen to other podcasts, so no, I'm not going to go there. I'm just no. saying this. That is not even over yet, and I'm already thinking about the punishment that I must eat this week. Well, that well, that one should be expiring at the end of tonight. Because I think it's been a week. No, so. oh no. Facebook will tell you. It's seven days. Yeah, it so right it's been. Has it not been seven days? I believe I changed it on a Sunday evening or a Monday or something like that. Right. Today's Monday. Oh, yeah. It should be gone. If it's not gone, it should be gone by the end of tonight. But anyways, he lost last week. He got clean swept again. Uh, if you're not sure what the prop bets are, go back and listen to last episode. But Chad lost all three. And the pay up this time is he has to take a picture with a sign of whatever I want that sign to be. It could be a picture. It could be a phrase. It could be whatever. And we're going to post this one not on his Facebook profile but on the fan page for everyone to see. And we're not going to tell you what it is. You're no, just going to have to no. come to the page and find out. Yep. You're going to have to go to the page, find out. It will be on uh, the Dotting the Eye with Davis and Chad uh, Facebook group. Check out the Facebook page. You're going to see a picture on there. Let's talk prop bets for the Maryland game. I'm still kind of hurt. Well, you should be because you picked poorly. But you know what? I feel great if that means anything. Yeah, well, let me tell you something, dude. Okay? You haven't been sporting a a piece of produce like I have all week long in your profile picture. I don't think anyone's been sporting a piece of produce like that. Oh, that, that <laughs> sausage is going to be the death of this show, I swear. <laughs> Ten years down the road, if we have this thing still going, that'll still be a thing. Is that, yeah. remember the time I was at ProPet and that big huge sausage was my profile pic? <laughs> uh, we ever right, make t-shirts, so, so I swear. Some of the prop bets for this week. Maryland, 300 yards of total offense. I think they've got to get a little bit more than that. So I'm taking the over. Chad's taking the under. I think it's a risky play on Chad, but I actually hope I'm wrong. Uh, defensive sacks, since we still kind of struggle to get some sacks. Right now it is set at one and a half. So two or more, 
Chad has taken that. I'm taking the under. So I think we will get one or less. So defensive sacks, one and a half. Chad's taking the over. He thinks we'll get two or more. Uh, I think I we'll get one or less. I mean, I hope, again, I'm wrong. But I've not really seen a lot of pressure on the quarterback last handful of games. Why does it feel like you have less faith better. in our team than I do right now? It's not less faith. I'm just maybe taking a little bit more of a risk this week because maybe somebody needs a prop at win. I don't know. Like, we, we, we need you to... We need you in a positive frame of mind. You've been a little bit down the last few days. That's so last one, turnovers. Over or under, we're setting it at one and a half. Chad thinks we get two or more turnovers. I think we get one or less. Again, I hope I'm wrong, but taking some risks here. And on the hook this time, uh, what did we decide? We decided that the person that loses this week's prop bet has to wear whatever the other person has for them to wear it could be a stupid t-shirt it could be a crazy hat it could be an entire outfit it could be something ridiculous and there again has to be a picture taken and has to be posted on the facebook uh and you gotta pretend that you like it too yeah and you gotta pretend that you like it too (laughs) (laughs) for happy gilmore anything that's right so yeah it's been a crazy episode so uh i just want to wrap this thing up a little bit by saying that uh don't worry, everybody. I didn't get on the roof of my house. I'm back inside. I'm still upstairs, but I'm inside. Okay, so just everybody we, we've coaxed it. We've coaxed him back in the window. You know, he he he's he's now Randy Quaid. He's past the "we'll blow it in the playoffs" part. Where he's like, oh, all right, all right, maybe these guys are okay. You know, like we, we, we've at least got him to turn his hat back inside out. Yes. So that's a good thing. I'm really looking forward to. Uh, to watching the game this weekend and like i said dude it was great to have aaron on the podcast a lot of football knowledge great guy so you know all in all man it's just been a great week so hey before you even forgot to mention so uh be on the lookout as of right now tenderly speaking we are going to if not just chad both me and chad depends on what i got going on i got a possible baby shower upcoming but um, we're supposed to be getting featured on the OHIO podcast for their Maryland preview. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Maryland post game. Uh, did I say that right? Yeah. This upcoming Sunday. So it'd actually be their episode that goes out Monday morning. Um, so be on the lookout for our Facebook page. We'll definitely put some info out there, but there's potential that we're going to do some of this crossover work. We had Aaron on, they're possibly going to have us on. So be a good opportunity to kind of hear us in a different light, um, and check their stuff out as well. So, uh, remember you can catch our podcast on all major streaming services. We are on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon music, YouTube music. We're, in the caveman music we're in the look who's hot now one cd you know we're on everything you could possibly think of you're going to take all this out because i'm rambling on in all of the major streaming services we also post these on youtube don't be afraid to check out our fan page give us a post we put score predictions up there get your uh, give yourself a chance to get a shout out uh, and don't be afraid to go over to our Facebook page and check us out. Uh, we put a lot of cool stuff on there, including our new uh, score predictions, where you can put your score prediction, get a shout out. We'd like to give a shout out to Luke Rawrig, who was the closest one uh, for the score prediction for the um, Rutgers game. So uh, nice score prediction, Luke. And uh, you could be the next one to get a shout out. So uh, check us out over there. And as always, uh, you can also catch us on YouTube. We post those on there as well. So until next time, guys, go Bucks. Oh, H.